Hey everybody, welcome to episode 40 of Two Views Movies Podcast. What's up everybody, welcome to Two Views Movies Podcast, a spoiler-filled podcast by two guys who love watching movies almost as much as we love arguing about them. I'm Garrett. And I'm Carson. And episode 40 today is all about Ant-Man and the Wasp, another Marvel movie. Yep. So most of you probably don't need to be told what Ant-Man and the Wasp was about, but Scott Lang, who is Ant-Man, balances being both a superhero and a father. Hope Van Dyne and Dr. Hank Pym present an urgent new mission that finds the Ant-Man fighting alongside the Wasp to uncover secrets from their past. It's directed by Peyton Reed, who did Ant-Man. He's also done Yes Man, Bring It On. Down with Love, which was miserable, and The Breakup. <laughs> it's got Paul Rudd, Evangeline Lilly, Michael Douglas, Michelle Pfeiffer, Lawrence Fishburne, Walton Goggins, and Ghost was played by Hannah John Kamen, who I felt like I recognized, but couldn't really place her the entire time, and then Michael Pena. Right, right. This is a really good cast. I, I will give it that. I liked everybody in it. I agree. I don't quite know where to start with this one, and that's because... The plot is sort of vaguely messy. I It's not really messy. They throw a lot of science mumbo jumbo at you and just kind of be like, hey, let's you know, quantum this, quantum that. And you just kind of kind of follow along. So I don't really remember much about like how like the order of events go in the movie. Now that I think about it, it's, we're a few weeks removed from it. Well, and, and it's funny that you mentioned that because there's a line there where Paul Rudd makes fun of them. For saying that. Yeah. Go, do you just put quantum in front of everything? <laughs> yes. Which it was <laughs> funny that he said that, but I did find myself kind of being like, I don't even like the whole quantum realm and what it can do and, you know, what it, it changes people that go to it. Like, I, I remember at one point I felt myself thinking, okay, I, I guess this could have some ramifications for Avengers 4 somehow but i i don't know enough after watching this movie of what would happen like i could see ant-man coming and being the most super powered of all of the avengers and avengers 4 because he's been to the quantum realm but i I can't really explain why that would be i feel like they might be setting it up for that for something but i I don't get it yeah and really in this movie i gave it a pass for some reason on the convoluted plot because each character had a a pretty clear path of what they were trying to do. How they were doing it was more, you know, a giant question mark, but at least I knew what their motivations were and what they were trying to achieve. The, unlike a movie like Dr. Strange, where I feel like I needed to know how things were happening. And it's weird because I picked Dr. Strange and his is magic and you don't, Right. You, know, you want to know why, <laughs> why, how magic works, but uh, yeah. I, I wanted it, that all to make sense. But this one, because I think it, it was so lighthearted that I didn't need that. And I, and I knew where, the direction everybody was trying to go. Uh, so I didn't mind that I had no clue what they were talking about quantumly, you know, or even how or why Michelle Pfeiffer got powers or, or even what how destroying Michelle Pfeiffer was going to save ghosts. I, I, I didn't get that. I just knew that she was trying to do that. And yeah. so I was fine with it for this movie. I can see that. I think the difference for me was that we could all at least understand. I mean, so in Doctor Strange, you can understand that he's, you know, manipulating reality. 
That, right. like, that's a concept we can all get. And I guess at the, at the highest level, you can get that Ant-Man is shrinking down to the quantum realm. But what you don't understand is why when you're down there, you get special powers when you come back and other certain things affect you when you're down there. Whereas with Dr. Strange, they, they did explain that like, Oh, this is the, the time stone and it can move time forward and move time back. And everybody grasps that it's the other stuff where you're like in, in Ant-Man that you're like, well, I, okay, I get that you're at the atomic level. Totally get that. But why are you now able to heal people and stuff when you come out of there? Yeah. And I got, I got everything in Doctor Strange. I was just saying that I, want, yeah. I, I wanted it all to make sense, which which I felt like it did. Yes. Um, but I would have had more of a problem if it if it didn't to me. But then this one. Sure. The the humor and the lightheartedness does make up for it. But at the same time, you also still want to be able to understand why characters are able to do what they're able to do. And I should clarify, I didn't want to give the impression that Ant-Man that we know of has extra crazy powers. It's Michelle Pfeiffer. When she comes back out of the quantum realm, she has some magic crazy powers. That... Well, but her powers affected ghost who got her powers from the quantum realm also. Well, right. But and still, so she, can none af- of... she can affect that somehow. Yeah. It's like, sure. You've been there for 30 something years, but nothing's sure. explained. Sure. Right. And at right. the end they of the don't. movie, we're left to see <laughs> jumping way ahead. Right. <laughs> end of the movie. We're left to show that Ant-Man is stuck in the quantum realm. Right. I shouldn't say end of the movie. It's end of post, the movie. Post credit scene. The, in the mid credit scene. Mid yes. yes. So that's why I'm saying I'm kind of left to wonder, does is Ant Man coming out of this like super crazy powerful or what's gonna happen? So uh, well we can get to the the end of what we think and all that. And I didn't mean to jump all the way to the end, but it was it seemed natural because like I said, the, the whole plot is kind of when it comes to the quantum realm and them trying to find Michelle Pfeiffer and, and the fact that she was able to put something in Scott's head when he was in the quantum realm. And then she's able to talk through him at one point during the movie from the quantum realm. I mean, none of this has really explained how or why it can even work. And I get that that's not a huge drawback of a movie like this because you're just kind of along for the ride. But at the same time, you're like, they're not really explaining any of this. Yeah. And, and again, I don't think they tried to. And to me, which is weird for me, uh, for someone who likes to pick apart movies and always ask why I was okay with it. In this. Right, because it's a Marvel movie. It is a Marvel movie, but it was, I think, because it was so fun. I had a lot of fun watching this. Like, it was, it was pretty much nonstop. And Paul Rudd is always on throughout the whole... He's Paul Rudd. He's Paul Rudd, and I just think he's hilarious. I think his little quips are hilarious. I think his playing off of... The Wasp, their relationship, because she is so not him. You know, they just work so well together. I would have probably kicked Michael Douglas out of the majority of the movie if I if I could. Yeah, it felt like they gave him a bigger role in this movie, right? I, I think so, yeah. Okay. I, mean, I, I, he, I don't get a lot of screen time. Yeah, I don't know that for sure, but my gut feel walking away from Ant-Man and the Wasp was like, wow, they, they really ratcheted up the Michael Douglas. It felt like he was just there for setup in the first one, and this time they're like, well, let's give him more time. Yeah, and I thought they, because they were doing that, they were going to get to a point to where he put on the suit and you are going to see him as Ant-Man, an, an, I thought old, that an, too. an older Ant-Man, but yeah. they didn't do that. But I guess at the point where the plot was going to revolve around going to find her mom, it made sense that he would probably have more screen time. But sure. now you're left with Ant-Man and the Wasp 3 feeling... Well, I don't know what you want to call it. Ant-Man 3 potentially feeling kind of bloated, right? Now you've gone from well, a little bit of Michael Douglas and a little bit of Evangeline Lilly, a lot of Paul Rudd, and then you also have Michael Pena, right? But now right. you ran, ratchet up Michael Pena, ratchet up Kirk, uh, not Kirk Douglas, Michael Douglas, and you've added Michelle Pfeiffer. 
So like you're getting to be a pretty large group of people in this movie. And series. Lily got a lot more screen time. Yeah, and she needed more, honestly. I kind of wish this was the Wasp and Ant-Man. Well, and that's what I think the next, <laughs> the next one's going to be named. It should be the Wasp and Ant-Man, I yeah. think, uh, because she had a lot more of uh, the cool stuff, and I thought she was great in it. Yeah. Again, I'm going to jump way far ahead. So back to the mid credit scene. It's Scott slash Paul Rudd slash Ant-Man in the quantum realm going in there to retrieve something that heals people. And while he's down the there, power the, or yeah, some sort. Yeah. Yes. And while okay. he's down there, the finger snap happens. Right. And you see the aftermath of just the, yeah. yeah so, a little bit of ash. Yeah. Michelle away. Pfeiffer, Evangeline Lilly. So the wasp and so the wasp and her parents, Michael Douglas, Michelle Pfeiffer <laughs> and Evangeline Lilly are all gone, They're all gone. which kind of was like, I was more disappointed about it from the fact that it's like, Oh, so the wasp, is not won't, in won't Avengers. get a big role in Avengers four. I mean, she'll she'll probably be in Avengers four, but not in the way that I thought. I was kind of hoping Ant Man would get the kibosh, and then it would be the Wasp that joins the Avengers. Well, thing. I figured they did that to keep the Ant Ant Man from being in Avengers four. That's true. Yeah, it was. Uh, That's kind of lame, though. Well, it's a uh, how do we get them out without just eradicating them all together? Yeah, you know. So it's okay. He's trapped, and nobody knows he's there. So how are they going to get him out? And so until they come back, he's stuck. Yeah. And so that's kind of how I, I took it as true. They they were doing this movie while uh, they're filming Avengers Four. How do we work around this? Okay. Well, these guys are all snapped out because any one of them could have brought him back out. Yeah. You'd be like, well, why didn't Michelle Pfeiffer bring him back? She knows how to do all that stuff. You know, you could have said, yeah. So that's why they needed to d- d- delete yeah. all uh, all three of them. That's a good thought. I didn't you, I didn't think leave, of that. Then you leave Ant Man because I. Th- You'd think Ant-Man could run down, you know, old Thanos' arm and then pop off his gloves by growing, growing really <laughs> right, big. Right, you know, you know, those things kind of go through my head of, you know, what would Ant-Man do in a, in a battle against Thanos, right. you know? But, but like we've established, anything in Avengers 4 will be possible. So it's entirely true. possible that we see Ant-Man and the Wasp. And I'm sure they'll be in it. Yeah. Like you said, I th- it'll show them coming back and rejoicing, you know, right. or whatever. Yeah. So I know I got us off track there. My Where I was going with that was that you want to see more of the wasp. And then with the mid credit scene, you're like, Oh, like yeah, there it. she goes. Yeah. yeah. What did you think of the bad guys? Um, well, old Walter is, uh, Walton. <laughs> Walt, excuse yes. me. Yes. Old Walton. We, we, we've talked about him before in previous movies. The tomb Raider was the one that we talked about in the most. Uh, he's a henchman. He's a side guy. Um, but he, he was in this. He's kind of, well, he wasn't, he was supposed to be the guy, but he wasn't the main bad guy of the movie. And so he was the right. head guy of his gang. Yeah, but his um, the, the scope of him in the movie was not that of the prime bad guy. Correct. Yeah. Correct. He's a thug. And, yes. And I thought he did fine there. Ghost, I really liked. I think I wanted them to go at a different angle with Ghost. She was mad, and I thought they were going to keep her going mad. You know, and more angry and not have that sympathetic side to her. It's really cool. I, I like the way they had her fight. I like the way because she can not only turn invisible, but she can phase. So when you're trying to punch her, you go right through her. And so those with her doing that and the wasp growing and shrinking, you know, you had a lot of really cool fight scenes there. So I was okay with both of those. They did uh, start to hint that Goliath, uh, Lawrence Fishburne, was evil. But they pulled back from that almost immediately. Yeah. And so he, he, you know, he did the ominous walk into the room, like, 
it's been me all along, Pim, you know, and, and I've hated you forever. And now you guys are all my hostages to, we just want to find a way to help her. Yeah. And, and so I thought that was kind of weird. Kind of put him on one side or the other in, in some way that you can. Yeah. You really kind of touched on my point uh, or my points. Exactly. I, I definitely agree with you. I thought the ghost being able to phase and stuff was very cool, but I don't generally like it when movies have villains who aren't really villains. It's just a misunderstanding. Yeah, that's all it is between everybody. And it's like, when you step back and take a look at it, everything about this movie could have been resolved with like one or two lines of conversation instead of a whole blown out movie. Yeah. And then you also have... you think that they may have that when they're sitting there being hostage. Right, right. Oh, wait. Oh, yeah, I can help you with that. You're just after this? Oh, well, cool, me too. We've done that. Yeah, why why do we keep taking it back and forth? We can just go in there together. Yeah, it's so (laughs) dumb. And and it just doesn't... The movies are better when you've got good and bad, black and white. You know, you, you have a side to root for. You want one side to lose. In the end with this one, you were just like, okay... I'm watching a big misunderstanding, a big round of confusion. Every hug it out. Yeah, everybody's supposed to be sympathetic. I mean, they set that up pretty early that you should feel a little bit sympathetic for Ghost, and then right. you should feel a little bit sympathetic for Goliath, and you're already sympathetic for Michelle Pfeiffer, and right. so it's just like, okay, so there really wasn't a big conflict here. We all just hug it out, and we're good, I yeah. guess. So that was my big thing. Goggins was totally replaceable. I know a lot of people like him, but I mean. He's not bad. It's just like, what do you want me to say about that role? I mean, it's, it's, it's the role. It's not him. No, it, no, you know, it completely. Yeah. yeah. But it's not anything to latch on to. And then, you know, Ghost, like we, we've said right now, just it would have rather her have been bad. Yeah. And they, so as I mentioned in the preview uh, of this, um, the ghost in the comics is a, uh, is a guy um, who's a thief and, and things like that. And so in this one, uh, they said her her dad was Elias Starr, and I was like, "Wait, how do I know that name?" And <laughs> he's he's the egghead in the comics, which is a really bad scientist that Pym used to go head to head with, and he's he's a terrible character that should never be in the movies. But I just thought it was funny they made her his daughter. Just, yeah, for some, just to throw a name out there that you for the fans that yeah, may, just may, a wink and a nod, it. right? Yeah, it, it was like we're never going to use the egghead in a Marvel movie, but but here you go, we're just going to yeah. make it. You know, it's it's her daughter or it's his right. daughter, and there you go. And so I, I spent like like six minutes, you know, trying to think. It's like, gosh, I know that name. Why do I know that name? I go, was that the ghost name? Like the ghost doesn't have a name, and I kept going back and forth, and then I was like, ah, is. It was Egghead. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah, I definitely did not catch on that one. <laughs> definitely one of those things that they just throw out to the fans. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But that goes back to the large cast again. I mean, did you leave this movie thinking that there's a chance that Ghost could be back? Yeah. And now she has control of her powers. Or no powers? Or no powers. I, again, I, I, could... I walked away thinking no powers. Because they present it as a problem, something she's suffering from. She's being torn apart and reassembled. And the suit keeps her in control of it. Yeah, but we're led to believe that Michelle Pfeiffer corrects the problem. So is the okay. problem... Well, no, I guess... I, I don't know. I mean... Yeah, no, I, I, I buy that. I don't, I don't remember. But then, yeah, like... We were group hugging at the time, and, and right. everybody so, just seemed to work yeah, out. Yeah, so on the next one, like, are you going to be left wondering where Ghost is? I mean, I think from a movie-going standpoint, you and I see enough movies where... 
if Ghost doesn't show up, like, yeah, okay, yeah, she's, Ghost is off somewhere, no big deal. But I think other people could be like, well, wait, I thought I thought we're all good now. Like, where's Lawrence Fishburne? Where's Ghost? Yeah, I don't know. Really, really strange. That that that's kind of a a combination of the plot problem of not explaining things yeah. and of everybody being a good guy. So that all kind of culminates with the end of what happens with ghost. Well, and I am glad that they didn't make Goliath a bad guy because he's not a bad guy in the comics. And it, it was weird to introduce him and then have him flip immediately. Well, and, and could, could they have, I mean, what would he have been unless he just happened to have his own suit where he could still get big? Yeah. Well, in the, in the comics, he can, just grow. He uses the particles and he doesn't oh, okay. necessarily have a suit, but I guess that's how they're doing it here. Right. You can just, he can grow and, but he's dead in the comics. Oh. Um, yeah. <laughs> a fake uh, android Thor killed him in Civil War. Yes. Wow. That's, that's <laughs> if, you going, want, if, you, if you want to go down that route. Yeah. Yeah. But some, no, I think some listener just screamed nerd at you. <laughs> I'll take it. At their, at their iPhones. I'll, I'll take it. But the, uh, uh, so I'm glad they didn't do that because he's not a bad guy. And so it's, it's one of those, why are you doing this? But then they clearly rectified the situation. Yeah. So while we're talking about good old Larry Fishburne, I know you and I have a little bit of a disagreement on this one. Yes. The the CGI de-aging that has kind of taken over, I will say Marvel, but I mean, if you apply it to Star Wars too, it's kind of taking over everything because Tarkin was CGI'd a little bit. Well, he was completely reconstructed. Made. Yeah, but I mean, it's all kind of in the same vein, like this question of should you de-age people? Should you CGI recreate people? I felt like there was a pecking order to the de-aging. So I honestly couldn't tell if they de-aged Michelle Pfeiffer. So if they did, good job, <laughs> good because job. I couldn't tell. Michael Douglas looked good. I think probably on par with what he was in Ant-Man 1. But Fishburne, I, I was not liking the de-aging of Fishburne. It, it really stuck out to me. So we first saw it in Age of Ultron. No, first saw it in uh, Civil War. Yeah. Uh, yes. Yeah. With Robert Downey Jr. Robert Downey Jr. They made him look like a teenager, and I thought they did a great job with that. Yes. And then we saw it in Guardians of the Galaxy two with Kurt Russell. Ooh, I forgot about that one. I did not like that one. That looked like just heavy makeup. It. (laughs) I mean, I thought it looked like a young Kurt Russell. I guess. Put him in overboard. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) No tango and cash. (laughs) Yeah, I almost went into big trouble, but uh. In Little China. Yeah. Yeah. But went overboard and said for some reason. Yeah, why not? <laughs> and then, uh, and then we have these three, and I thought yeah. all of them look great. And I, I was like, wow. I just think, I mean, yes, you're a bit taken aback by that actor is not that young, and so your mind is kind of playing tricks on you. Kind of like if you see the Hulk, and just because he's green, he doesn't look right, like a normal human. Sure. Um, see, that automatically takes your brain out of it. It could look like a normal person if they made him, you know, color, skin tone. Yeah. But because he's green, it takes it a minute to think, does he look right? Yeah. But I thought all of them looked great. And I think the problem that you have with Morpheus is that he is a young, fat Morpheus. (laughs) Right. And not the Lawrence Fishburne that you knew growing up. Yeah, I I think that's true. So if you think about Michael Douglas, he... He's just an older version of Michael Douglas right now. He's got the same frame, same body type. Right. And and I do know what Michael Douglas looked like when he was younger. And same with, you know, Michelle Pfeiffer. And, do you? Because Michael Douglas looked like he's been old for a long time. Well, look at his dad. His dad's <laughs> 101 years old. <laughs> That's true. I know because I have him in our death pool and I <laughs> guy won't die. 
Um, but, uh, <laughs> and people are very curious uh, <laughs> what you're involved in right now. <laughs> Don't you worry about it. Just, just know that Kirk Douglas is 101 years old. There he's, you go. he's killing me. Um, no, I, I think that's true. But Robert Downey Jr. had kind of the same frame, right? I mean, I'm not trying to pick on Fishburne for getting fat, but I know what I know what a young Lawrence Fishburne looked like, and this is not a young Lawrence Fishburne. And I know you made the comment that it's a young Goliath, not a young Lawrence Fishburne. But right. I, but we're talking about de aging an actor, mm-hmm. and I think that's where it starts to fall apart. I mean, no, I mean I'll pick on myself. I mean, at one point I was like forty pounds heavier than what I am now. So if you de age fat Garrett, <laughs> it's not going to look like de aging skinny Garrett. It's right. it's two different people. So I think. I think that's why Morpheus stuck out for me because I read a lot. I'm in the minority. I know that people have said like, wow, the de-aging was really, really good. But that's the only thing I can kind of put my finger on is that just I saw that and I was like, yeah, that <laughs> no, Larry, that's not what you look like. You know, <laughs> I, I know you from the Matrix. I know you from Pee Wee's Playhouse. That's not what you look like right. when you were young. So I, I'm probably picking on him more than anything. But I think that's kind of the flaw in that is that, I mean, can you imagine – like, uh, you know, we, we've talked a lot about Tom Cruise recently on the podcast, which is all the Mission Impossibles. But imagine if Tom Cruise, like, got kind of fat and then they tried to de-age him. And you're like, no, Tom, I know what you look like in Top Gun. Like, right. That's not what you look like in Top Gun. You mean when they try to do that with Val Kilmer? When they're going to do that? If if they tried to do that with Val oh, Kilmer. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, but that's my point. Like, like why did you pick Tom Cruise when you have a perfect candidate of <laughs> sure. Val Kilmer who is fat sure. right now? Right. Yeah. I just <laughs> I think that's going to be a problem that de-aging hits is if you have somebody who's substantially changed their appearance or maybe who has a unique appearance. Like, people are going to know what they look like and that's going to make it seem like, ah, not quite right. But overall, I, I will say it wasn't, I guess I should say maybe it wasn't bad CGI. It just stuck out to me. Yeah. That's probably a fair comment. Uh, so we talked about the action. I did, like you said, I like all the stuff with Ghost. I kind of wish it had been choreographed a little bit better. I felt like the choreographing was a little stand. It's too Marvel-ish. Like, when I say that, like, the fight scenes in Marvel movies are good, but they don't add any uniqueness to it. It always feels like the same kind of fight. Now, I, I will give them credit because I do feel like they did a lot more of the shrinking and growing as part of the fighting this mm-hmm. go around than what they did in the first one, but they need to make all the hand-to-hand combat so much better. They need to they need to hire in people from martial arts movies or whoever's doing John Wick or whatever and get these guys in here and get that into a Marvel movie because when you see these fights, it's I know a lot of times with Marvel, it's because they're superheroes, so they're, you know, standoff because everybody's got superpowers. But I feel like Ant-Man and the Wasp would have been a really good time to find unique ways. Like, even get in Jackie Chan, right? He uses stunts and props in all of his fights all the time. So get him in as, like, a special coordinator. Be like, hey, how would you have them interact with all these different things? And I'm sure you'd come up with ten times creative ways of having some of these fights. Well, see, I think they did a great job with that, with... Not only integrating their powers, but the objects in the room. I thought the problem was they showed a lot of that in the trailer, so it wasn't they did do that. new. Uh, when she throws the salt shaker, makes it big, and he runs into it. You know, yeah. But even then, like that's so generic. I'm just gonna. I mean, because we did see that in the first one. I'm gonna throw a, or I think this is from Civil War, but you know, I'm gonna throw a water tanker at you, and it's gonna get big. Oh, okay. Well, sure, but the way she did it was she's blocking the doorway with it. You know, yeah. So she can keep them in there. You right. Know? And so it was just. I thought she. I thought she did a great job, and whether it was her actually in the costume, I have no idea. Probably not. Uh, yes, but, but I thought the I thought the fight scenes with, with, with her and the her swinging around in the truck, you know, I, all those things were really cool. 
I'd seen them already. And so I wish that, I mean, yes, that's what got me to the theater because look at all these cool things Wasp is doing. Yeah. But I uh, wish they, there could have been more of those that they didn't show us already or lightened up on the trailer. But I thought they did a great job with the, the choreography and, and those, really, especially the, the ghost and the Wasp scenes. And really, I don't remember Ant-Man fighting <laughs> yeah. at all. I mean, I know he did, but nothing that stands out. Yeah. I think I think there's just my overall feeling with this movie was I feel like this is where you know I love movies and I'm I I can't make movies because I'm not I I don't have that kind of vision or resources or anything but so I feel like a jerk saying this but I feel like this is a movie where I had expectations for it and when I watch it I liked it but I felt like it could have been so much more and I don't, I can't quite put my finger on it, but sometimes, in some ways it's the choreography, in some ways it's the plot, in some ways it's the humor. I just feel like across the board, it could have been more everything. Like it needed to just, like if it's a dial that's uh, zero to 10, it, it it's like set on like a seven. And I just want them to like crank it up all the way. Just go to the extreme because it's, it's Ant-Man, right? I mean, how much more silly can you get than a guy who can be 60 feet tall or the size of an atom. And he flies around on ants and makes things bigger and small. You know what I mean? Like just, just embrace it, go crazy. Well, see, and I think, and you mentioned to me this before you wanted it more like Ragnarok, uh, like the, the comedy piece of it. I wanted it more Ragnarok, meaning Ragnarok approached itself with like no restraints it's like somebody gave him the director Taika Waititi they gave him the green light and said you do whatever you want with Thor Ragnarok and you go to the nth degree I feel like Ant-Man still has like those Marvel shackles on which is like holding it back and I would like to see it go balls to the wall like Ragnarok did so maybe what I'm saying is not necessarily like Ragnarok, but approach your subject and your humor and your action and everything with the same throwing caution to the wind that they did with Ragnarok. Well, see, and I thought that was the major downfall of Ragnarok to me was that everyone was a comedian. Everyone had a joke and it, it was relentless, beat you over the head with it. In Ant-Man and the Wasp, I thought there was a great balance between action and comedy and you had... Um, again, the straight man to play off of what, you know, you'd have the wasp telling jokes, you know, and it, and that's not her character and it works a lot better. And it's, it's more funny when Ant-Man tells a joke and she doesn't like it, doesn't get it, doesn't, you know, wants him to stop. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and I, I just think it, it fit a lot better. And I, I would definitely not have liked it as much if it was, if it was beat you over the head with it. But I will agree with you on the plot needed to be stronger. I think that kind of took away from it. And so essentially it's a mindless, again, popcorn. You're just waiting for them to do, you know, grow big, small fight stuff. And so you're not really invested in the plot uh, beyond anything uh, without his daughter. Although that was the only thing, like yeah. I didn't necessarily care about finding Michelle Pfeiffer. Yeah. They, they did not make that uh, important to me. But him not wanting to help because of his daughter, they made that important to me. Mm -hmm. And one of the best scenes of the movie is when his daughter says, you need a partner. And he thinks she's talking about the wasp. And his daughter wanted to be his partner. Yeah, that was good. <laughs> and it was like, like that doesn't feel like it should be in this movie, you know, because now we're tugging at heartstrings type of thing. 
but I thought that was really well done. And so you feel for that, that relationship. Uh, the rest of the movie is just kind of, as long as he doesn't get thrown in jail and gets taken away from his daughter, I'm good. Yeah. You know, and that didn't seem like the biggest threat, although they did tease that a lot of you have to get back before they yeah, check on you. Yeah, that was the one running theme of jokes, or I shouldn't even say jokes, but running theme throughout the whole movie of, like, we kept revisiting that concept of, like, I gotta get back to the house, or I can't be gone. Because he's on house arrest. Yeah. Yeah, or he gets And even the, the agent who's tracking him was kind of funny. Yeah, yeah. I forget what that guy's name is, but... Um, didn't he from... Um, yeah, Fresh Off the Boat. Fre- yeah. Yeah, and he played Kim Jong-un in... Uh, <laughs> The interview? Yes. I'll agree in the sense that there was a fair amount of humor. I just, I wanted it to be more silly. I wanted it to, it just, I don't know. The best way I can describe it is that it feels like it still has shackles on. It feels like it's set at a 7 out of 10 because Marvel doesn't want them to go full 10 out of 10. Like, just go crazy with it. Thank God they didn't. And so I'm I'm fine exactly at that 7 on the comedy mark. I thought Michael Pena was, was probably... Uh, an eight if he was a five in the first one i thought he was so much more funny see i thought he was about the same see i, I didn't think he was very funny in the first one i thought he had a couple lines but i thought almost all all of his i don't say all of them but almost all of them hit uh, in this one hmm. i need to go and, rewatch ant-man because i i walked away from this feeling like literally the exact same as ant-man i didn't think this was any better or worse like if you're playing darts i mean if this wasn't a bullseye compared to ant-man one it was right there next to it Oh, I think they're very close. I think they're very. Close. I just thought his character was not as funny in the first one, but I think they they got it right in this one. Yeah, and so I was I was pleasantly surprised with him in this. I thought they might got too overboard with it with his stuff, but I thought it was dead on. Yeah, I will say if I wouldn't necessarily want Michael Pena ratcheted up to ten. That's not really <laughs> what I'm looking for. I'm looking for more of the style, substance, fights. I, I want all that stuff ratcheted up to, and the, and well, the sure. overall humor and stuff too. But like, I, I don't, I think Michael Pena was fine where he's at. Cause I think you put him up to a 10, you're going to overpower everybody else in the movie. You don't need Michael Douglas telling jokes. No, you I don't. don't. Or but, Morpheus for that matter. <laughs> right. Yeah. That, that, I don't think that goes over very well. My major drawback in this movie is the giant ants. So throughout the movie they have giant ants doing tasks so i know he can push and control ants with his mind sure but to have him to give him complex things to do and to make it large and look stupid um that that really took away i mean i can overlook it and enjoy the movie but i was like why stop it so i love it when he's calling the ants you know hey fly me over here you know that's believable to me. He jumps on, he makes joke. He names them all something. Ant something Antonio Banderas. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I names them all ant names. You know, it's hilarious as, as he's going through that, but all they are is, you know, basically a vehicle to get him from one place to another, or I can nudge them to do, to go this way and, and maybe just cover up that camera. I'm fine with all that. When you make him, he's going to lounge around in your house yeah. and mimic all of your movements. Take for, a bath, for play days. rock band. Yeah. It's like, like, this is really stupid. And then they have them all corner Lawrence Fishburne, which yes, you could have them say attack him, but it just looks stupid. Yeah. And you didn't need that. And so that was my, my biggest, uh, 
Yeah, it, you're right. It, it was a thing. I, it didn't really piss me off until that was the end credit scene. I was like, I really waited around <laughs> to watch. Because, I mean, credits in movies take forever. And oh, you yeah. gave me a great mid-credit scene. So I'm like, oh, wow, I wonder what end credits going to be. So we sit there and wait through five, seven more minutes of end credit stuff. And you give me the ant playing rock band, which I've already seen in the trailer. Right. And seen in some other you know capacity in the movie two or three times already. So, yeah, I, I was like super pissed at the end of Ant-Man. I was like, <laughs> God, did I really just wait for that? So if by chance you haven't seen Ant-Man yet and you're listening to this and we ruined it for you, mm-hmm. at least we're saving you like five minutes. Don't stay for the end credits. We'll stay for the mid-credits. Mid-credits, yes. End credits, no. No. I know you won't like this comment because you don't like me bringing him up because you don't like him, but <laughs> I still can't help but imagine what these movies would be like with Edgar Wright directing. I would love, love, love. And I don't know how much of his was left over because he's one of those that kind of pulled a solo where he was on Ant-Man for quite a while, I think. And he's then, on the first one. Yes, the first one. Right. So I don't know how much of that is him versus how much got redone. He's clearly not on the second one, but I would love to see his all-out version of what Ant-Man could have been because... I picture Ant-Man in the style of Scott Pilgrim or Baby Driver, and it's I, I love everything about that concept. Yeah, and you mentioned him to me of, gosh, I wish I would have liked to yep. see what he would have done with it. And I was like, what am I missing? So I went back through his filmography, and I'm like, no, I'm not missing anything. I don't, I don't like his, I don't like what he does, and I haven't seen a movie yet that's that's like, oh, yes, direct something that I, I'm looking uh, forward to. See, it, Baby we, Driver's okay. Oh, come on. You gave Baby Driver a three and a half. It's, it's not— okay. Baby Driver is solid. Yeah, it's it's okay. It's solid. I think it's I gave above, it a four. It's, it's great. above average. It's definitely not great. Don't. We're not, oh my we're god! Not getting into Baby, there's Driver. nothing wrong with Baby Driver. It's <laughs> nothing. Yet you gave it a four. Well, if I mean, there's nothing wrong. You well, it, it has five. to go into like when you get into a five, you get into like masterpiece levels. But I'm just saying, like generally speaking, it is it's just a cool movie. Except you cast as a main actor. Someone who has no acting. I ability. like Baby. He's terrible. Anyway, I like him. And, and, so, we, and, and Scott Pilgrim. And Scott Pilgrim, which uh, I don't know why you love that movie so much, but it's it it's so long. Who uh, cares? It's so long. I I'd, yeah. I'd love to keep watching it. Yeah. So I don't. There, there's nothing that I. I, I know. See you don't like does. fun. You like generic Marvel movies. It's it's okay. Like, I get it. No fun. This movie was fun. You want to see the same thing every time. This was different. Ant-Man was different. It was a great... I loved it because it was a lighthearted, a great compliment to Black Panther. And so, and the reason I bring that up is Black Panther deals with some heavier issues. And Ant-Man is just fluff. Mm-hmm. And you, so... You, you know, does that description sound familiar to you? No. Hmm. It's in my review. No. It well, is in my I, review. I mean, didn't, didn't I say something about Solo being like that? That's fluff. Well, that it's not so heavy compared to the rest but of the... But there's also nothing cool in Solo. Tomato, tomato. I'm just saying, you're Except sounding... Solo's you're, not good. Your justification you, for Ant-Man and the Wasp You're about to make this a three-and-a-half-hour like podcast. I'm just saying, your justification right now is sounding an awful lot like what I said about Solo. You're like, but there's nothing yeah. cool. I mean, you're you want to see Jedi. You want to see this. Well, you want to see all the other Avengers. You want to see other stuff. I... Well, hold on. The, me, this is, me saying that the issue is heavier doesn't mean that there's not cool things in Ant-Man. Yeah, there's I'm cool things there's in no, Solo, no, too. No, there's not. And that's, we had a whole podcast saying, saying how there's no cool right, things I actually in had Solo. this in my notes, and I erased it because I wanted to say this to you live on the podcast. You, but you wanted to, th- this is, to booby-trap me into this? Ant-Man is the Solo oh. of the Marvel Universe. Yes. 
it's God, you, you no. break away from most of the heaviness. It purposely stays away from all the Avengers talk, well, all see, the other they, stuff. And you also think that Star Wars is heavy. Star Wars is not heavy. Sure it is. No, it's not heavy. Oh, my God. I mean, if you no. take a step back and think about it, you're talking about the fate of the galaxy. You're talking about good versus bad <laughs> constantly. It's, it, it, it's just it, – when I say heavy, it's like – it's like with event. Um, it's like with Avengers in, no. in fighting Thanos. Like the the fate of the world or the fate of the galaxy is all on the line. Everything is all critical to building. I'm talking up more that. social issues and and then you have them killing each other. There's no one killing each other in in Ant Man. No, I agree. And well, so that again, it's a lighthearted, fun, fun type movie with a bunch of cool stuff. It's just eye right. candy. I, I'm just it's saying just, It's that... just eye candy. Now, there's nothing to watch in Solo because it's boring. <laughs> right. Okay. I'm just saying that that sounds an awful lot like what I was saying about Solo. No. Yeah, we can play back the tape. I mean, that was almost verbatim. You compared it back to... Well, yeah, but your your analogy doesn't work because Solo had nothing positive to bring to the table when Ant-Man has a lot of great things to see mm. and reasons to rewatch it. I don't know. High uh, rewatchability. We'll see whenever you get your second viewing of solo. And I'm, I'm anxious, but to see now it. I'm just making you dig in even more. <laughs> so you'll just refuse on principle to agree with what I say. I, I, I hope I'm wrong. I hope I enjoy it because I want to like all the star Wars movies. Just putting that out there. Yeah. Just like you want to like all the Marvel movies and you can appreciate the, the break from the main timeline for Ant-Man. I would expect that you could appreciate the break from the main kind of vein of star Wars with solo. I mean, it's just your Marvel bias. I get it. Everybody that's and listened to the and podcast I don't, and knows And I don't this. have a Star Wars bias? Uh, your Marvel bias is worse. It's way worse. Just because I don't like Solo? If no. I, if I would have no. liked Solo, then then I would have been far, far more on the Star no, Wars No, we've side. talked about this before. I With Star Wars, actually, you and I are pretty close in line on on every movie, besides those ridiculous takes you had at the end of Solo. You and I are pretty close to ratings-wise. But with Marvel, we've established this on the podcast and before the podcast. I have to deduct one star from every rating you give a Marvel movie for your Marvel bias. So that like a normal human being like me that goes into the Marvel movies knows where I can put my Most human beings side with me on <laughs> no. these than the, the you on the Marvel movies. Just because you have a, a bias in the other direction towards Marvel movies. No, I don't. Apparently. No, I don't. I'm I'm right in the norm, right in the norm, <laughs> and we're actually pretty close on this one. So you're, my half star or my my full star deduction for you, I actually violate on this one because I came in within within a star of you. Yeah. So let's run through our our kind of end of show question. So far, I'll I'll start off and I'll ask you. So what'd you rate it and why? Uh, I gave it a four. Again, I've I just really enjoyed the whole movie. I've had again, I had fun the whole time. It was pretty pretty fast pace and there there wasn't any real down scenes favorite moment that uh, when wasp was fighting the ghost i think she carried the movie i thought, I thought wasp was like again it should be called wasp and the ant man yeah and uh, i think the next one should be that but i think she was awesome yeah and from everything i've read i haven't i haven't heard anybody disagreeing with that statement i think everybody really liked evangeline lily yeah i think she did great and paul rudd's a fantastic side character you know, just one one that that quips. You yeah, know? I mean, as a lead actor, I think he does okay, but I think he's a fantastic side character too. Yeah, what's one thing you would change? The no large ants. That, that was unnecessary and stupid. <laughs> get, get those out of the movie. Are you telling people to go see it in the theater or stay at home watch it on the couch? Oh no, go see a the theater. I mean, it, any particular m- reason? 
Yeah, these Marvel movies, especially the, the visuals on this one, this is why you go. Marvel bias. Well, no. I mean, it's the whole point is the visual side. Clearly, we talked about the plot. Is you got to see those big ants, as big as you can get them, right? <laughs> yeah, you got to see the, the green screen. <laughs> yeah, no, get the... Uh, it's get Get the full experience when it's supposed to be a visual movie. Okay. And so that, that's why you should go see the theater. Okay. Yes, you should pay for it. Popcorn movie or art house film? It's a popcorn movie. And are you giving it a Razzie or an Oscar? If I have to pick one, I'm giving it an Oscar. Ooh, that's ballsy. It's not a Razzie. I mean, <laughs> the only thing that you could give a Razzie is the ant, the large ants. Hey, we got to pick one. It's it's black or white, A or B, one or the other. And then you can give the de-aging visual effects uh, an Oscar (laughs) if you want. Not for Morpheus. (laughs) Okay, so if you liked Blank, you would like this movie. Uh, And this is kind of a cop-out, but if you liked Ant-Man, you're definitely going to like Ant-Man and the Wasp. Yeah, I mean, normally I would say that's a cop-out, but at the same time, you know, we've had other movies. Recently, we talked about Sicario, where I said the complete opposite, right? I felt like if you liked Sicario... One, you would not like Sicario too. So I don't know that it's a cop out to say that if you like the first one. Because um, I honestly, I wouldn't say that if you like Guardians 1, you would like Guardians 2. No, but if you liked Guardians 2, you'd definitely like Guardians 1. Yes, I, I agree with that. <laughs> I remember reading somebody writing a review that praised Guardians 2 and trashed on Guardians 1. And I just, I mentally, like my brain shut down. I couldn't comprehend how that was even possible. They're just trying to get people riled up in right. comments or something because that's that's ridiculous right that defies like all logic yeah so what about you what's your rating well and why like i said i i kind of came in within your marvel bias threshold so i'm at a three and a half okay. i was closer to a three than a so, four so you're saying i should be a four and a half uh no i'm saying <laughs> possibly <laughs> yes but i'm saying that's always where i set my expectation so it's not that things can't because i think we agree on like black panther and guardian we have a lot of marvel movies we agree on it's just you typically see them before me and when i ask you your star rating i always deduct a star before i go into it <laughs> it doesn't mean that's where i'm going to end up but that's where i set my expectation so three and a half i think i've covered all the different reasons you know messy plot acting is good humor's fine action scenes are fine i mean everything about it is fine but safe and i just want it to do way more than what it does and that's what you would change about it uh you skipped my favorite moment but what i I would i didn't want to ask you that yet right so yes that is what i would change about it be less safe tell somebody whoever's in control of this movie like you're not okay you're a marvel movie you're ant-man you're not really going to bring the marvel franchise down so just go crazy with it i i would rather it happen with ant-man than with thor although now that it's happened with thor thor is a much cooler character he's like the coolest character in all of marvel now and i think it has a lot to do with ragnarok but and you could have still had Thor that way with not everybody else in the movie being that way. Yeah. In Ragnarok. Uh, sure. But, agreed. We need to revisit that one because that, that's on one of our lost episodes. <laughs> it <laughs> is. Sitting in the archives. It is. It <laughs> is. So the uh, what was your favorite scene? Uh, mid credit scene. I thought that that was really cool. I heard audible gasps in my theater when it happened. I don't think people expected it. I, I kind of did. Yeah, well, I knew, I knew something like that was going to happen. And yeah. there's a guy truly in the very front row of the green screen, so basically an IMAX theater. So you know he was dedicated to see this movie, and this is opening night. Yes. Yeah. Who sits in the very front row? <laughs> he he stood up and goes, no! He was so mad. Like, how could you not see this coming? Yeah. You know, that something like that was going to happen. He was so mad that they vanished into ash. Yeah. <laughs> well, when they didn't address it at all in the movie, right. I knew one of the credit scenes. Now, I didn't know what they would do, but... But at least address something. it, yeah. Yeah. 
And so theater or couch? Couch. Couch. Why couch? I don't know. I mean, it's three and a half. It didn't really give me any reason like I should rush out to the theater and see it, honestly. I, you know, the, the stuff that they make big and shrink, I don't really, on the screen, it doesn't really give a cool sense of scale or anything. When it, they go big, they go really big. Yeah, it's just, I don't know. I, I would not rush out to the theater and see it. You watch it on a 27-inch. Does anybody have 27? That's like not even a computer monitor anymore. <laughs> yeah, watch it on your 60-inch LED. I mean, yes, that's what I would say. I'm sure people watch it on their 27-inch TV. <laughs> I'm being real snooty with my you movie are, watching. You are. Hey, I'm not the one with an actual movie screen in the basement. Hey, some people watch it on their phones. <laughs> that, so, yeah. So I, I heard a joke the other day. Somebody was like, I want somebody to go film Christopher Nolan's reaction to somebody watching Dunkirk on their uh, Apple watch. <laughs> <laughs> I was laughing. Pretty how hard how pissed that. would he be? Yeah. <laughs> so popcorn movie. Uh, yeah, it's definitely a popcorn movie and I wouldn't pay for it. I'd wait for it to be free. You can stream it and on Netflix or whatever. And give it an Oscar or a Razzie. Razzie. For what? Uh, I don't know. I can pick one. Pick one. I mean, you know, I, the de-aging would be one. Um, n- none of the acting's overly bad. It just, it wouldn't be something that would qualify for like Oscar material for me. So it's... You, you gave a Razzie for what I gave an Oscar from the de-aging. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, that, that big ants, I will agree. That, that was really, really horrifically stupid, but it's, it's nothing egregious, but, um, it's not definitely not something I would, I would, <laughs> if I had to defend it. I would rather die on the sword of giving it a Razzie. (laughs) (laughs) And if you liked what, you would like this. Yeah, I said the same thing as you, Ant-Man. I mean, they are very close. I mean, you could watch them back to back and it would feel like three hours, three and a half hours of one movie. Continuous movie. Yeah, they they did a good job keeping with the same feel of the first one. I agree. All right, well, until the next Marvel movie, which is... Captain Marvel in the spring? Are we done until... We are done until March, yeah. Yeah. So we'll have March. Do we know if Avengers 4 is April or is it May? It is May. Okay. So yeah, we won't be talking... Well, I say we won't be talking Marvel for a while, but I have a feeling sometime along the way we'll probably... Well, we get... I mean, I guess not the Marvel Universe, but you get Venom. Yeah. It's not the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yeah. And I, I think uh, I think we should pencil ourselves in for a Ragnarok rewatch. I think that'd be good. I can do that. Yeah. All right. Well, let us know what you thought. Catch us on Facebook. Email us at twoviewsmovies at gmail.com if you have any requests for retro reviews that you want us to do. Check us out. We've been starting to post on Instagram and Twitter a lot more. And the most important thing, if you like what you're hearing, go out to one of the podcast stores, whether that's Google Podcasts or the Google Play Store or the Apple Podcasts, and rate us and leave a review. It'd be Everybody's been leaving us some ratings, but it'd be cool to see a review here and there if you can. So we will catch you next time.